Hello and welcome to You Should See the Other Guy, the podcast where we watch a movie featuring couplings of some sort and then tell you why the characters in the movie are terrible at choosing their own love interests and should select otherwise from the cast available to them based upon our advice. I feel like this is getting more complicated every time I make up the description <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> Eventually, the podcast will just be the introduction. <laughs> And we'll be Before like, we even get to the movie, the geometric summary. definition of a triangle are three <laughs> radii connected by angles, all of which definitionally must be acute or something. Yeah. I am Jennifer. I am Samantha, and I know that triangles can have an obtuse angle, but they have to have at least one acute angle. Just before any angry geometry nerds write in. They have to have at least two, right? Because even oh. if there's one obtuse, because it couldn't close otherwise. True. <laughs> I, I hope we get hate mail from angry geometry nerds. Come at us. I think you just corrected me live in real time. I loved geometry, by the way. Like the proofs, uh, the certainty that of was... knowing that something had to be something. <laughs> That was the gay math. <laughs> I feel like if you, if your favorite sub math subject in high school was geometry, congratulations on being part of the alphabet soup. <laughs> when did math stop being like shapes, you know, and start being like imaginary negative numbers? <laughs> shapes are real. <laughs> but the I negative like numbers, that's so fun when like they first teach you about them and you get to draw the little line and count backwards like to the left of zero. Oh, I, I remember in algebra when I was like, this is too hard at one of the straight maths. And then they, <laughs> they brought up the concept of imaginary numbers. And I was like, Ooh, it's time to get funky. Get and then again. I understood, I understood what imaginary numbers were. And I was like, never mind. This is very straight. That's dark <laughs> I magic. <this>. The- <laughs> I feel like uh, imaginary numbers are some Hellraiser, Cenobite stuff. Like, instead of torturing you to death, yeah. they should just show up and be like, by the way, there are imaginary numbers. God, that would be the actual worst if the Cenobites came out of the box and made you do, like, fifth grade multiplication times tables. Like, oh, I'm getting um, anxious just thinking about it. First of all, first of all, we're not we're, we're not reviewing Hellraiser 2022 in this in this episode. And number two, my name is Sadie. Yes, <laughs> intro completed. And Woo. I um, just spent my entire evening yesterday doing the Jeopardy. Well, I had a, a fit of insanity where I thought that I could do. I thought that I could get on Jeopardy, <laughs> and oh, um, that would be amazing. Like four of the questions were about like high level geometry that I could not, either I did not know or I could not comprehend. And needless to say, um, I don't think they'll be contacting little old me (laughs) to get on Jeopardy anytime soon. You've got to try again, Sadie. We need to see you on Jeopardy. 
You can only try one. And I didn't know that. You can only try like once. And then it's like you will be contacted within 12 months on whether or not you got into Jeopardy. And I'm like, well, fuck me, because I know I didn't. Wait, it's like a lifetime ban? Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, I I think that you could try again after a certain amount of months, I think. Okay. Well, good thing. You're young. the, The stakes were high. You have but time. I know that I did not win because for one of the answers, it was a question about one of the presidents. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to put Andrew Jackson. And Hannah was watching me and she said, Sadie, you put Andre Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> and it was too late. And so I tried to go back and fix it. And I just put Andrew Jack. <laughs> Andre Jack. I'm sorry. Excuse me. And I was like, well... <laughs> Sadie, I love you more for the inadvertent Andrew Jackson disrespect. That's that's fantastic. I feel like I want to start a conservative like rumor along the lines of like they're putting litter boxes in schools (laughs) for the furries that people are transitioning just to be able to apply to Jeopardy again sooner. Um, I feel like that would hit at the nexus of a certain like boomer conservative fear. (laughs) Because trans people love some Jeopardy, you know? Yeah, that trans lady like was the queen of Jeopardy for a time and a season. I feel like if we watched her and Ken Jennings compete against each other, a black hole would open. I want them <laughs> to under, fight under to the Under death, the Alex honestly. Trebek stage. Yeah. They should They should have a medieval duel. The, the movie The Duel <laughs> by Ridley Scott should have been about Ken Jennings. And... <laughs> Do they have to wear those little haircuts with the bangs like <laughs> Timothée Chalamet or... and Robert Pattinson did? <laughs> I I raise you, put all of the top contestants of Jeopardy in a rich person's house in the middle of nowhere right before a hurricane. <laughs> um, and then when one of them dies mysteriously, we can see how many of them kill each other in trying to figure out who killed the first person. <laughs> we'll be like, ha, we're talking bodies, 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 2022. Bodies <laughs> X3. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bodies cubed. Um I have been tasked with summarizing the 2022 horror comedy, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Um, I can talk, I promise. Anyway, uh, fairly simple premise, which Sadie mostly covered, a bunch of narcissistic Gen Z elites are gathered at one of their dads, or their it, it's Pete Davidson's dad's house? Mm-hmm. Yes. For and uh, Pete Davidson's party. name is David, which was very because con- I I keep thinking of him as Pete Davidson David or David Pete Davidson. Anyway, that's the character's yeah. name. Yeah, I try not to think of Pete Davidson just generally, you know, as as a practice in my life, as a meditative <laughs> practice. Um, so the outsider to this group is B. She was last seen in the Borat sequel. What's her name? Maria Bakalova? Something like that? Mm-hmm. Okay. And her girlfriend is like part of this friend group. Her girlfriend is played by Amantha Stenberg. And so they get to the party. B is like, who are all these like toxic rich people? 
and everybody's kind of weird and mean and catty to each other and we're wearing glow sticks and we're doing drugs and we're being real you know all the all the cool kid things uh the only this only one non-gen zier there played by lee pace he's someone's much older boyfriend um and they decide to play like a mafia-esque murder game where you turn off the lights and there's a secret murderer who taps someone on the shoulder and that's how they die. And then you turn the lights back on and everybody argues about who the murderer is and you keep going. So they start playing this game, but someone actually dies. Pete Davidson is found dead. And so the movie is basically them just like, being privileged and accusing each other in increasingly paranoid ways of being the killer, suffering various accidental deaths until at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, stop listening to this episode right now. If you don't want to hear, we discover through lost cell phone footage that (laughs) uh, Pete Davidson actually sliced his own throat attempting to samurai sword open a bottle of wine or champagne or something with yeah uh trying to imitate a trick that lee pace's character had shown off earlier in the movie so we're (laughs) left with uh b amandla's character survives right Yeah. yeah and they're standing together covered in blood uh, reckoning with the horrific events of the night, realizing that what kicked off the paranoia in the first place was actually just a horribly comic uh, fatal error. Yeah. And then like the one guy who had left because they had a fight like the day before oh, comes yeah. back in to do the like Donald Glover in community, like holding the pizza thing. <laughs> I love that that's now like a thing. <laughs> that's the reference point. Um, bodies, bodies, bodies. What did we think? I okay. We'll go. Well, I first. Oh, go. Oh, wait, you're going first, Sadie. I'll go, go first. first. Um, I think <laughs> I loved this movie. Like, I don't know what you guys think. I am looking forward to hearing it in a second, but. I saw this in theaters. First of all, most stressful theater experience of 2022. Like this kind of thing ramps up my blood pressure like nothing else. Like even at the very end where you see them watching the TikTok video that Pete Davidson recorded, because he recorded himself, right? Like trying to do the trick and just watching him and like, like the realization. Well, about halfway through, I kind of assumed, I was like, I bet the twist is that he fully like, like he killed himself somehow um and i was right but it did not make the ride like any less enjoyable and they had so many red herrings throughout that i think were really cleverly done um that i like i was really second guessing myself the whole time i was like oh my god maybe this person did it oh my god maybe this person maybe she did it and then i was like convinced i was like oh wait no like amanda did it and then i was like no, actually, he he killed himself. Actually, I was right the first time. But like, it was just the comedic moments were so funny to me. And the main reason why I wanted to do it on the podcast is because I wanted to talk about the relationship between like the sapphic relationship between a manless character and uh, Maria Balakova's pair character. 
because I find it fascinating. And like the weird love triangle elements of this movie were very understated, but very good. Those are my thoughts. I lay them out on, on the table humbly. Sadie. Yum, yum. Mm, I agree. I greatly enjoyed it. I knew that I wanted to watch it when it blew up into like internet discourse because of that assholey reviewer who said that it was like an advertisement for Charlie XCX and cleavage, which was like, just put that on the tagline. I'm ready to watch now. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Anyway, said reviewer did get me to watch the movie uh, from that recommendation. And Yeah, it was really funny. Now that I've seen bros, before bros, I would have said that bodies, bodies, bodies made me laugh more than any movie this year. When they're having, when, you know, there are people dead on the ground around them and they're fighting about hate listening to each other's podcasts and like all the, uh, it was just, it was really (laughs) funny. I, I greatly enjoyed it. It was the perfect hour and a half mark of movies like this that I love. And I thought the performances were fun. And I very much looking look forward to discussing it more in depth with the two of you today. I hmm, I will go third. The number of bodies in the film's title is my position in delivering <laughs> thoughts on the film. I I'm like a little less warm on it than both of you. I think the line, what's your podcast about, delivered in an incredibly dire moment of which, (laughs) after which like multiple people have died, did make me laugh out loud more than many recent movies. I just kind of like wanted there to be there to be a little more writing, a little more character work if that makes any sense. Like, and this is a complaint I have not specifically with bodies, 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 but with a lot of recent movies where it's like, you have this delicious concept, you have assembled a, like a great cast. Um, just like give them a little more to say. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I feel like there's too much of the movie that's just like, oh, what was that? Like, just kind of overlapping noise and crowd talk. And I would love some more just like exchanges. I don't know. I did. I kind of, Samantha, I've got to agree with you too, though, that even though I did love the snappy exact hour and a half mark on it, that there was sometimes where the characterizations could have been expanded a little more. And I did uh, no disrespect to Sadie who was almost killed dead by the tension. I didn't find it very scary. Um, for <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that there was some stuff like, like that's a really heavy moment. Like when, um, when Amanda's character, Sophie, uh, falls off the wagon and starts using again, you know, and I kind of feel like if I had not been to some parties that went extremely sideways in my youth and kind of like had the adrenaline of those feelings to like fuel my reaction while watching that I don't know that I would have been sucked in by the tension that much, you know, or yeah. I mean, you don't necessarily care about any of the characters except B. And then I think by the end, isn't she the one who kills everybody that's not an accidental death? Well, she shoots Lee Pace. The one, yeah, she kills yeah. Lee Pace. She uh, throws Jordan over the banister. 
But that's kind of like a they're tussling it's sort of, to like, it yeah. kind of thing, right? Yeah. I think like the follow-up still, movie is going to be her serving time while Amanda's yeah. parents end up like getting her out of it because of- it'll be called manslaughter, manslaughter, manslaughter. <laughs> <laughs> that that is one of those things where like I really I really was compelled by Maria and or B. Um, I felt like she was such a fascinating character. And like, so I agree with you that I wanted to see more of them. I felt like the movie could have done with a flashback or two just to kind of flesh out a little bit more of like how she met Sophie and like all of that, because we don't get any of that. Um, and I know that that was an intentional choice. I think that the director wanted it to be very much like this starts in one, you know, this starts tonight and it ends tomorrow morning, you know, and there's not a lot of like outside um, narrative, but like, I, I got the sense that maybe B's past trauma in some ways definitely influenced how insecure she felt with Sophie and also how nervous she was around Greg Lee Pace's character um, that I think definitely contributed to like, I see. And like, he was acting a fool. Like I understand that none of this, like all of this was completely unnecessary and fabricated and X, Y, and Z. However, bro, like these group of extremely terrified women who are much younger than you come in one of them is wielding like an axe (laughs) like there's like four knives that that they all have and his first response is to like jump at them and like and i think that that kind of like i'm like yeah that tracks for someone who is like 45 dating a 24 year old but um i don't know i felt like having these like unlikable characters who you also can relate to in some way was very interesting. Like I felt bad for Lee Pace's character because he did not deserve any of this. The line where they're like, yeah, he's a veteran. And she's like, no, he's a veterinarian. I was laughing so hard. That was one of my favorite lines of the movie. So like he didn't deserve it, but it's also like you were, So it's like, I can understand why things went the way that they went because no one was acting right, including him. Like if one person had acted normally to the situation would have been completely fine. Although like, to be fair, if I had seen Pete Davidson walking in with his throat cut, my first thought would also be like, there is a madman on the loose. (laughs) What do we do? But my response would have just been like, well, uh, everyone turn around. I'm going to find a hiding place that no one else knows. It's going to be under the kitchen cabinet and I'm going to wait there until the morning. But like <laughs> everyone was just running around. I feel like I'm rambling, but I have a lot to say. Everyone was running around, like w- running outside, exploring upstairs. Why are you exploring? Just wait until daylight and then walk to town. I don't know. Everyone was making wrong decisions, including Lee Pace, not to victim blame. But, no, but. Sadie, you are so right. Lee Pace never should have fucking been there. Samantha and I had a whole sidebar old people's conversation about this, about the true horror in this movie being 
Lee Pace's deathly mistake of thinking that he could attend like a party of early 20s years old. <laughs> like, my guy, no, no. Like, of course, in, in any horror scenario, when this goes, when this goes sideways, like you're going to be the one to die. And it's a it's sad for him because maybe if he had actually stuck around with his girlfriend and not tried to distance himself when Pete Davidson's character was pissing him off, you know, and, and trying to, to start shit and that he removed himself from the situation. But then of course he places himself directly. Like he's going to be the suspect when Pete Davidson's throat gets slit. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. His crime getting older. I th- I feel like, yeah, there is a little too much for me of we're walking around the house for some reason with our iPhone cameras and conveniently it's like, where's this person? We need to go find that person. And then, of course, someone else dies or something happens and not enough just them talking with each other because I enjoyed the most the scenes that we've mentioned that had these really memorable lines of dialogue and I could have used a good like 10 minute scene where they're like okay we're going to like sit here and look at each other so that we all can see like so, so that no other people can die right and then maybe oh the generator went off somebody's got to go fix it we can't all i don't know you know like but just give me some long interrupted scene where they can like um talk to each other and hash things out and accuse each other <laughs> yeah. i don't know <laughs> Like what like if we had gotten to like, hear like Lee Pei scream that he was just a vet tech, not a veteran himself before perishing. <laughs> I mean, I think part of why like I, I'm like a little lukewarm on it is because it's so similar to Clue, um, the adaptation of the board game and, and Clue that is movie's so, so good. good. <laughs> ludicrously good that yeah if if you don't sparkle in every moment anyone is speaking it's kind of like yeah it's always going to compare unfavorably to clue to me to do the like locked room antic filled like murder mystery thing yeah and nobody was named colonel mustard unfortunately yeah, and also this weirdly kind of got billed as a slasher, which didn't quite make sense to me. Like, um, yeah, yeah, there was no killer. I actually kind of like knew the twist. Just like I knew that a twist was coming or what, basically once someone told me there is a plot twist. I was like, oh, the first oh. person to die accidentally killed themselves like. Like it made sense. So I going into it, I knew what happened, um, which, yeah, maybe took away from some enjoyment as well. I always feel like <laughs> I always feel like I am like cinema's perfect audience member. <laughs> I, like, I, <laughs> I'm God's perfect child <laughs> because I never. <laughs> I, I never see plot twists coming. Like, I really do get pulled. I am a puppet for Hollywood. Like, I 
like when people like when 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 Pete Davidson first died, I was like, oh my god, it's Lee Pace. And then when they were like, we gotta go find Lee Pace, I was like, yeah, we go find them. And then <laughs> and then after he died, I was like, well, I don't think it's Lee Pace. <laughs> and then they were like, I don't think it's him. And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> like I really was like followed around like um with a lead. But um you should be what interviewed by say? a film poster outside the theater for <laughs> for for ads. <laughs> I, I feel like if I am provided a a, a Coke icy before a movie and I go into a movie theater, I will rate the movie five stars. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, I could go see The Ugly Truth in IMAX theaters. And as long as I have a Coke Icy and maybe some Coke-flavored gummy bears, I'm realizing now that I like a lot of Coke-flavored products, I, I'll give it a five star. I'm like, rave reviews, greatest movie I've seen every eat this year. And then until the next movie I go see in theaters, I'm like, no, this is the best movie I've seen this year. Um, so miraculous that I have a film reviewing podcast. But my my brother famously what the, the ages ago when we first saw the trailer for the M Night Shyamalan movie, The Village, turned to I me immediately after, yeah, and was like. It's actually the present day. <laughs> and it was like, oh, damn. And back in those days, there was, there was, it wasn't like there was a screenplay leak or something, as far as I know. I think we just had to wait until the movie came out. And then it was like, yep. Like, <laughs> Confirmed. That's what happened. I feel, I always like those really cheesy plot twists, though. Like, they get, maybe it's because I grew up watching too much M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> But I like, like, I like the village. I feel like Bryce Dallas Howard really like, sold the so village. Funny. Like, it was her performance. Like, because I was like, these monsters look terrible. Like, how is anybody scared of this? But then her character was blind and couldn't yeah. see them. So, of course, it was like scarier anyway, like the suggestion. And, like, you know, I don't know. She she made that one work for me. <laughs> I never did I think see, Jesse Eisenberg uh, made the village. Wasn't it? Uh, was I Lady did. in the Water the one where the monsters turned out to be the grass? That was The Happening. Okay. <laughs> With Mark Wahlberg featuring the the uh, <laughs> unforgettable line of dialogue, there appears to be an event happening. Um <laughs> Which is what, like, the principal starts out saying in, like, the gathering of Philadelphia teachers about the ecological disaster. <laughs> okay, people, there appears to be what? an event happening. <laughs> what about Twister, where the villain turns out to be a Twister? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, you know what? I-, I was thinking the other day, while we're on the topic of plot twists, well, not it's not even a plot twist technically, but like if you somehow had not seen like the trailer or the like poster for Tremors and you like went and saw that, there is no fucking way that you would have guessed that it was a giant worm for like the first half of the movie. And I love that. That's one of my favorite <laughs> movies of all time. <laughs> Like I, you really think that it's like a serial killer, you know? Like it looks, it and like it tracks, it flows. You know, there really are giant earthworms. 
they are a thing. They get to be like three feet long and apparently, and their Wikipedia entry says that they smell of lilies. The shy hello <laughs> yeah. from Duke. Yeah, are like little miniature <laughs> versions that like exist now. <laughs> You have to do Damn. the foxtrot uh, over <laughs> Earth to avoid them nibbling at your ankles. <laughs> I think the plot twist in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies works. I, You know, the reason people deride M. Night Shyamalan plot twists is they feel self-indulgent in this way of like, aha, I got you. And um, this plot twist actually sort of like made sense. It's like, oh, the paranoia was sparked by a non-incident. The reason he died was he was trying to like TikTok himself. Um, <laughs> that was at like, Pete Davidson made that like too funny though. That part where it shows the scene where he accidentally kills himself was like, I was busting up because like, what the hell? like he again is like, I don't know how old Pete Davidson is in real life. He's got to be 30 by now. Right. Something like that. Yeah. He's he's visibly older than the girls in the movie. He's not as old as Lee Pace. He's actually 20. Oh, he's 28. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. Thank, Thank you, Gen Z historian. <laughs> but yeah, he seems like he's got like at least like a high school span of age on on the girls in here. And of course, because he's like the richest and he's got his little kingdom here. Like, what is this like? pathetic 17 year old type tiktok he's doing like thinking he looks cool pretending to cut his throat like i don't know pete davidson's comedy chops came out for me there i i was laughing when i think i was supposed to be i don't know maybe they wanted you to laugh and also feel like oh my god that doofus just killed himself well like you know what's coming like Like the whole time that he's doing it and you like, oh God, like I know what is around the corner. Uh, and here, uh, I think that I mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. I'll lay myself out as the sacrificial lamb that I do like Pete Davidson. <laughs> I'm glad he exists. I think that like, he's I'm funny. Not, I'm not anti-Pete Davidson, I, certainly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I. he's definitely like an acquired taste, I'd say. But I think that he did really good in this movie. Like, I, I, I think that a lot of his acting roles have been very much like be yourself which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't, but I think it worked here. I just want people like, to put better words in his mouth. I like his vibe yeah. and his whole demeanor, and I think he was capable of playing characters in a certain type. But I don't know. Like, the film roles I've seen him in, I'm just it just feels more like stunt casting than anything else of like, oh, there's Pete Davidson. He comes off to me. People are drawn to it more on a metal level. He personally is a lot more intelligent than the level that his characters are usually written to. Uh Uh-oh. If that makes sense. Oh, no. (laughs) Sadie, you killed Jen. (gasps) You you took her (laughs) off this recording, didn't you? No. I saw her TikToking herself (laughs) trying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> trying to open a wine bottle with a machete. I saw it. She was she was trying to press the mute button on her laptop with a with a scarab and uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. 
I'll keep recording. Yeah. Unless you think that I should stop. Let's chat and see if Jen uh, magically uh, sutures her own throat back together and returns to us. Um, I'm hoping and I'm praying. Have you seen uh, King of Staten Island? That's the Apatow one, right? Yes. Did Judd Apatow write it as well? I think that Pete Davidson wrote it. Well, they I think they co-wrote it. Mm. Um, I generally and, avoid comedian semi-autobiographical projects as a rule. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say it's a bad... Oh, Jen? Hello, Jen? Oh, she can't hear me. She has her earbuds in. (laughs) I would say that as a culture, one of the biggest mistakes we made in the 2010s that is carrying over somewhat, but I I feel a backlash, is the idea that uh, being a comedian is the most interesting, virtuous and occupation in the world, and it should be discussed at length um, (laughs) all the time see all other (laughs) podcasts it's just like okay like i get that this is a art form and an entertainment product and there's quite a lot to say about it but um i don't know samantha i agree i'd almost rather listen to like garbage men talk about like taking out the garbage like that to like (laughs) it would at least be something different than like Conan O'Brien asking other comedians like, now, were you a little weird in high school? And (laughs) them being like, yeah, I was. Oh, you too? Yeah. I don't know how comedians on the whole, like, seized the cultural power to give themselves the airs that they do. But comedians are like the little court jesters of the world. They need to put on their little bells and know their place, you know? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I, like... My thing is, is I feel like a lot of one of my favorite, um, like specials, comedy specials is on Netflix and it's the Joe Mandy comedy special. Um, it's very, it's very, very funny. Um, it's a few years old and it does reflect being a few years old, but I think it's hilarious. And one of the reasons why I love it is because he doesn't reference being a comedian and, You know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of comedians put, like, how hard it is to be a comedian or, like, very comedian-centric jokes that they just expect you to, like, think is hilarious. And I don't know. It's tiring. Like, I was watching Nick Kroll's comedy special recently. I'm realizing now that maybe I just have a bad taste in comedy. (laughs) But but in all fairness, I I was watching the Nick Kroll comedy special and – um. I got bored, so I stopped listening to it because it was just a lot of like, I don't know. It was just, it just felt like this is a comedian talking about the same things that he always does. And I got exhausted by it. Um, where was I? What was I talking about? We were about? talking I about the King of Staten Island, see. and I was talking yes. about my aversion. Did you, did you enjoy it? I, I did with the caveat that. It was very Apatow-centric, and also it had a very specific type of, like, sleazeball comedy that Pete Davidson used to dabble in a lot more than he does now. And so it was just kind of like, ah, it's a lot of weed, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of just, like, being a grungly (laughs) human being, which is, like, 
I, it's it just it gets really old, and it's like, well, I, I'm King not King of grumpy. Staten Island. Like so, basically, really. <laughs> the only major effect that it had on me was I think that that was my first exposure to Machine Gun Kelly ever, and it made me like him because of the scene where he doesn't realize that the little teenager that Pete Davidson has been hanging out with has been like a tiny teen this whole time. And when that little guy turns up with his his little girl crush or whatever, Machine Gun Kelly's character takes him aside and is all like, bro, that girl is a teenager. Stay away from her. You need to be careful. She's too young for you. And is like lecturing, of course, like the other like 15 year old or whatever about like, but I was like, oh, that's kind of endearing. <laughs> like <laughs> way, way too attempts <laughs> to be a decent person there. Machine Gun Kelly's character. <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly should have played Pete Davidson <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> Can I complain about an Apatow thing uh, related to my recent misadventure yes. of trying to watch This Is 40? The Apatow thing that I hate the most is when they do like multiple cuts of the same improv joke over and over again for comedic effect instead of just choosing the funniest line and going with it like i don't know like a guy will be talking about another guy's butt or something and he'll be like his cheeks are like big two round juicy peaches and they'll cut back to the character making a shocked face and then it'll just go back to the same character and it'll be like two ripe plums and it, oh, like yeah. it'll do like 17 it's like an improv of the team. same like but you yeah. have to watch their whole like improv game instead of just like getting the punchline and moving on Oh, you're so right. So yes. it's like a family guide sequence. And it infected TikTok comedy as well. Like the, you know, people who grew up on those movies are like humor is saying the same thing over and over again in slightly different <laughs> ways. And like, I'm like look, oh, I God. get the instinct to do that from like the person who's trying, like the, the POV of being the person who you're trying to say something funny. But like, that's why Samantha like stands as the bulwark for like anything that I write, like for them to be like, no, we don't need these other four sentences saying the same thing. This one is the funniest. And then everybody's happy and we all look better at the end. Yeah, you're right. Judd Apatow needs to get like some serious like editors involved <laughs> with everything he produces. Yeah. The delete button Speaking is the most important button for an editor is what I've learned in two years of professional editing. <laughs> you just got to cut And you cut need stuff. somebody else to do it for you. With, like I have worked yeah. as an editor for other people and you can do it very easily there, but then it's just too hard to on a tight turnaround to get that the level of separation required from like the writing and editing thing. You know, editors are great. Everybody send an editor a bouquet of flowers. Yeah, not everything needs to be said, uh, which is why when when editors send me stuff now, I go to the top and I click accept all, <laughs> which is what I did with Patricia wants to cuddle, <laughs> and and that came out okay. But yeah, when I started, it was like every one of my words is precious. How dare you take them away? And now I'm just like, whatever, get rid of what you want to get rid of, like because someone else can always, always. Unless they're totally incompetent, like see it better than you because you wrote it. They're or, there uh, to save you from ridicule from the readers who will follow, you know, like 
you don't want like the raw internet reacting to your first draft. Yeah. A lot of first draft energy in Apatow movies. And <laughs> of which bodies, bodies, bodies is not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could six degrees of separation. I guess there is a little bit of a love triangle if we wanted to get back on track Let's, between yeah. Rachel Sano, Amanda. I yeah. I was gonna say, let's see, Rachel Sennett's character, uh, Amanda's character, B, and also Jordan. So I feel like because there was some weird, like canonical sexual tension and history between okay, Jordan so and Amanda's character, character Sophie, an agent of chaos throughout, and who has her reasons, and yeah. I believe her also when she says that she's staying away from them because she's trying to stay sober and that that's too much of, but clearly she is attracted to women who are more responsible than her, you know, like the, (laughs) the chick who is going to kettlebell the suspected murderer to death. That's who Amanda is going for because she went for Jordan amongst her previous friend group. And then she's got B now. And they're very similar personalities from different circumstances, you know? And I find that so tragic about this movie that Jordan didn't just say something when they all popped out of the pool, when when Sophie, Amanda's character, comes in and surprises them all with her with her presence and then also has B with her, that she's put B in this terrible situation, you know, because she surprised them. It's this really awkward thing. She's not prepared B for any of this or any of the social dynamics that she's going to run into here at all. And of course, Jordan is pissed as fuck because according to her, and I believe her, Sophie went and hooked up with her again right before this. So if Jordan had just come out of the pool and like had let loose her self-restraint a little bit and been like, what the fuck? Or I mean, I think she did say, what the fuck are you doing here? But if she had just gone all the way and been like, you were just fucking me the last time I saw you. What are you doing here with zucchini bread girl in tow? What is going on? Like, you know, all might have been oh, like turned around I, in the beginning, but no, like the the weird like underhanded attempt at social niceties that goes with these people, like was their undoing on every level. It did make me want to cry when the zucchini bread kept coming up. Like I have definitely been that girl before, you know, like you show up and you have something that is like very uncool and like, you don't really realize it, but you're just like, I thought that this was nice to bring, but this is like giving me negative 20 social points. Um, And like, I think that it's interesting how each character kind of has their own symbolism and kind of like, like with B it's like, you don't know how you're going to act. You don't know what you're going to do in a situation like that, where like for everyone else, they were acting stupid. But I think for B it was survival. Like they were already turning against her even before this murder, like even before the murder started. Interrupting you briefly Sadie to say that is one of the most. Yeah horrific act of evil I have ever seen on screen is just played for like a little throwaway joke in the movie. You sit and you let somebody eat 
a drug laced anything. Like I don't get the amount of cake that she ate that then they were like, Oh, you know, that has weed in it. B would not have been on her feet doing this shit because if she's not accustomed to that, she would have been laid the fuck out. You know, like that was just straight up evil. And (laughs) you kind of know from that point of the movie that these people suck ass and are not to be trusted whatsoever. Good God. Ugh, I'm very angry on her behalf about that. And and I think it also brings up that uh, interesting like question of these are terrible people. So do you feel better about them dying? Like, you know, like, I, like there's that moment, especially when like Rachel Sennett's character, like, in those minutes before she is shot and killed, like she was so annoying. <laughs> like you in the audience, you're like, Oh my God, please like just kill her. And then as soon as it happens, you're like, Oh damn. Like for me, Rachel said was a big standout character. Um, and I feel like B is naturally drawn to like, slightly more chaotic women. So I could really see B ending up with either Rachel Sennett's character or Jordan. Um, Although to be fair, it's like, I don't know anyone who has sex with someone else while they're like actively in a relationship with another person is like automatically like a few tears. Did Jordan know about B before B arrived at the party though? Yeah, I think so. Well, I think that she that Sophie mentioned that she was okay. with someone, but it was like Jordan, yeah, beforehand. I would because I remember being like, "Damn, Jordan ain't shit either." <laughs> like none of these people, but are to a shit, lesser except the zucchini yeah. bread. But yeah, it, it was. I mean, this really was a movie, though. That again is fun because the women characters are the only ones who matter. You know, I mean, like so many movies and books and pieces of media whatsoever. But like Pete Davidson gives us the the reason for the whole happenings. You know, Uh, Lee Pace is there so that uh, we above the age of 30 can be like, oh, he's so cute. He's so dreamy for a second before, you know, like he gets killed. And um, (laughs) but it's really like all the tension in the movie was between. Well, except for the little competitive tension between Pete Davidson feeling threatened by Lee Pace's character. I feel like we could match the women up in almost any set of circumstances here. Like, I think that there's a case to be made for um, Rachel Sinnott's character and for the little, the actress one who uh, was with Pete Davidson's character. They had like a sort of you know, an envious vibe between them that uh, translates very easily onto, you know, confused bisexual erotic feelings. And I think that it's really interesting how, because I, one of the things that I was dreading the most throughout this movie is like, I knew like even before Pete Davidson, like even before the first person died, died i knew that they were going to turn on b at some point because like i I knew that i knew that they were going to turn on her next and then like when she killed lee pace i was like i just know that like in the moment any one of them would have done the same thing but because it was her who did it and not one of them one of their like 
approved elite people who did it, they would be like, well, you did that on purpose. Why did you kill? Why did you kill him? When like, if anyone else had had the dumbbell, they would have done the same thing. Yeah. Pro- maybe. No, I'm know. so with you. And I think that it might've been a little bit more biting at the end if they had added just another minute or two on to show like what we were talking about that. I mean, fuck, do you think Sophie is going to stand by B's side now? Like when, uh, when uh, Max, who just wandered back in, called the police? Like, no, I think, I think she's going to yeah. throw her under the bus to try to avoid consequences herself. And <laughs> I don't know, maybe if we'd ten- seen B getting loaded up, you know, in the police cruiser for it at the end, that might've like stuck the nail in that point a little more, but And it just kind of proves the toxicity of their relationship, like before they even got to this place in that, like, um, like, uh, who was it? B literally thinks that Sophie did it, that she was the one who killed all those people. And still she was willing to like, stop all of that to like, be like, did you cheat on Jordan? (laughs) Did or did you cheat on me with Jordan? And like they had this like scuffle like, look, in the mud. That is um, Willowa realness right there. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's a, it's biblically accurate. <laughs> I'm trying to formulate a thought. I mean, I'm ready. I feel like like someone mentioned earlier just like another opening scene would have helped like kind of bring the arc of their relationship like into fuller view like like i would love with it ending with them does it end with them looking at each other with suspicion or does it end with like them just kind of both being mutually like uh what the fuck yeah. happened i think the latter yeah i think i would have preferred it if it ends with b looking at amanda being like oh shit what is this like what is this like rich girl going to do now that like we've been you know caught in these circumstances yeah um to that end like it makes me think of like get out which was also a very like svelte spartan movie it like if you boil it down it's just like pure like structure all the way through and get out uh in smartly i think does the here's the characters together before they go on this trip for like three minutes just so you get a sense of their rhythm with each other their rapport with each other they can even be talking about where they're going to go, but we just need to see a little bit of them before they're in transit and then they're in transit, you know? And by starting in the car, I feel like bodies, bodies, bodies kind of like leaves you feeling a little too adrift. Like I, I, I want to start with them packing for the trip and that that's not too much to ask. I know it had a small budget, but you can, you can film something like that. Yeah, I uh, kind of like launching right in with it. They 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 have them like pull the car off for a minute to make out or have sex in a field or whatever. But it was kind of we were just already in like Charlie XCX driving up to the mansion mode, basically, when we started. So. Yeah, like in order to see how this environment is affecting their relationship, I think you need a little more of a sense of like, what is their relationship outside the environment beyond like very brief 
car scenes. Um, yeah. I don't know. Agreed. Overall, I enjoyed it, though. I mean, it was a pleasant use of time. I think that, uh, like, I'm just kind of confused as to why so many people disliked it as much as they did. Like, I don't know if it's the subtle mix of subtle homophobia or just kind of general dislike for a man love for some reason, or if people just don't like having fun. <laughs> like, I thought that this movie was fun. Like, you know, I, 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 like, I'm not sure I, what That it, particular, what that reviewer um, we talked about earlier, who like seemingly completely missed the point. Like, uh, people watch this weirdly earnestly. I think somehow they thought that we were supposed to like the characters and like, thought that it was a failing of the movie that we did it. But that's not the case at all with what was presented to us. And, and I will say, like, that kind of gets at the concept of, like, there are some queer critics who think that if you have a movie with unlikable queer characters, then that's, like, bad representation. And it's, like, queer people can be bad and be in, like, fun horror movies too you know yeah most queer people are bad because most people are bad you know let queer people be bad people like everybody else and listen like (laughs) i'm thinking of another queer horror movie that came out around the same time they slashed them (laughs) <laughs> let's not speak of that. No, we had such a good title. <laughs> we can speak of I I know, Jen. Like I I had to I tried to get through no, it three no. times. Like I got like 20 minutes in the first time and I or not I think it was like 30 minutes in and I was like, okay, so no one has died. So far, this is not acting like a horror movie in any way. I'm bored. And then the second time I tried watching, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it from the beginning again. And then I got like 35 <laughs> minutes in and I was like, I can't do it. Again. And so the third time I just started it 35 minutes in and I was like, I, I just have to do what I have to do to get through this movie. Um, it was so weird on so many levels. Like I can't, like I, I was baffled quite frankly. <laughs> I mean, I sort of liked that its choices were so unpredictable. Like, seeing both of these at the same time, like, I probably thought about they slash them more. Because Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was just like, here's a kind of nihilistic, paranoid, like, you know, backstabby, little delicious treat. And then it was, like, gone from my brain. And they slash them left me being like, why do they have a Demi Lovato sing-along <laughs> in the middle of this? Like, like I, I like laid up awake at night, like thinking about it, and that, and also, yeah, and and I was so, <laughs> I was, I, I did laugh also quite a lot, and they slushed them, but for like entirely different reasons that the directors probably didn't intend. Like the one character who has sex with one of the camp members to like catch him in being queer. I was like, your vibe is off the wall disconcerting. <laughs> like, I, I, was like, I had to look up like who that person was to see if they look like that in real life. Oh, no. And they do. 
it's less scary because they're like, uh, they're like smiling and they're like a human. But I was still like, what is this person's vibe? Like, what is ha- what is happening? I don't care. Let's talk about the real queer horror movie, which is M3 Gun or Megan, <laughs> uh, starring oh Allison Williams. I am so <laughs> fucking pumped! It's coming out. In Jan- on January 6th to commemorate the insurrection <laughs> against the United States Capitol. Uh, I am ready. I haven't even watched the trailer yet. Samantha, I, I would pole. give my life. I would give my life you know I'm to go see with it with creepy you. Dolls. <laughs> Let's do it together. Should that be our first? How's Missouri in January? Uh, real, oh, God. <laughs> we, should, we should fly no, to St. Louis for Megan. Here it is like, it's going to be like. Well, I'm already trying to oh, get there in true. December. Fuck, Megan won't be out yet. We need to have a but change of venue. the temperature will be right here. We need here. to have a Megan we're gonna Sunday. Okay, so we're going to go in like freezing temperatures to St. Louis to see Megan and go to the city museum in January. Is this the plan? <laughs> I think that yes. we should record five episodes about <laughs> Megan. Like we should see Megan and then every day of our visit after that, talk about Megan for our an hour. Feelings. And then we can just, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that I haven't even watched the whole trailer because I just want to like keep myself as fresh as possible for when Megan comes out. But I feel like this is the logical evolution of, um, those Sia videos with that dance mom's kid acting as the little avatar of Sia, I feel like has led us to this as a society. I cannot (laughs) wait. I cannot wait. I, as, as the number one malignant Stan in the Midwest, I am so excited for Megan. Sadie. James Wan. You know, speaking of movie scenes that keep me awake at night, malignant (laughs) when she drives to the psychiatric hospital that's on a cliffside and and parks like two inches from the precipice. Have you seen that? (laughs) It drives me up the wall. It was one of those weird things you experience in isolation. And because I was just like watching it on HBO Max when it came out and being like, is anyone else seeing this? And then you like type a few terms into Twitter and like it's all anyone is talking about. I, I, I hold malignant so near and dear to my heart. Like I, <laughs> I shed like actual tears watching, <laughs> and like when, like when it, <laughs> when they revealed the twist. A spoiler alert for malignant that it's actually her. Uh, I <laughs> it's her evil brother who is just like a gross <laughs> little guy, like on her back. And like takes over her body sometimes. And like as soon as they make that reveal, wait, when when the bad guy's running around, you're like, oh yeah, this is someone running backwards. And like it it's so like it's they so clearly make it obvious. So like I this is haven't clearly seen someone Malignant running yet, backwards. But Sadie, I'm gonna need you to tell me right now before I watch it. Is this like a movie about somebody who like absorb their twin in utero and that's why he can take over her body. What is the taking of, what is happening? Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, I, th- I think, yes. That, you know, Jen, I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I do always enjoy watching twin horror things, being married to an identical twin. It's fun to get that perspective. <laughs> I I love that like the twin lives on the back of her head and this woman has like apparently never once put her hair up. <laughs> Does she like, not like scratch her head? She doesn't brush her hair. Like has gone to <laughs> Nobody's the like, Whoa, yeah. there's a no, face like, on the back of your scalp. <laughs> She repeatedly like puts her fingers on the back of her head and they come back bloody and she's not like, huh, let me like lift up my like, hair. Nobody to get to taught my her scalp. to like but use there's a mirror probably to look some in the mirror, like in world yeah. explanation. Wow. wow. Like I think the twin like suppresses her knowledge of him. So maybe the oh. twin is like <laughs> scrunchies are our enemy. <laughs> like the twin just like never. down on her vagal well, nerve and- whenever she thinks too hard about it. Now I'm trying to think, like, I feel like also he just, like, was dormant for a while. Was, is that all? I think that was also an element of it. Like, he was just napping. Just sneezing. (laughs) And then, (laughs) uh, so, in short, I feel like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is also up there for me in terms of very fun. It's not malignant. And, and it, and it. Won't be this made. is our chance to, but Sadie but said we are not discussing be. Hellraiser 2022 today, but we are going to for like five minutes because Samantha and I discussed Hellraiser, the original briefly while we were talking about some other movie weeks ago. And the only Hellraiser movies that I have seen are the very first one and Hellraiser 2022. So I would like to speak on that very briefly. Is that That's not all, all I needed? I, th- I don't think you need to... Uh, there. The new one does a good job of being kind of self-contained yeah. while also having the plenty of homages, too. I've only seen one, two, three, and the new one. I haven't seen any of the older ones beyond the third. I think that I think number two is yeah, I did. Really I watched I part I love of number the second two. one. Just like, uh, I was just doing it there for like a vibes movie. Like while they were running around in like the mazes of the hell, you know, I was kind of like skipping through it. And I did watch the scene. Okay. So that's my big beef with Hellraiser 2022, because there were elements of it that I absolutely loved so much. Jamie Clayton is pinhead impeccable. Love it. Absolutely love that sequence where she gives that whole because they they let the other they let a different Cenobite have the like no tears it's a waste of good suffering callback so that Jamie Clayton can give us that line about uh, like you know salvation like what what sort of song is that moment you know which was amazing but I was a little bummed and that because in Hellraiser two they have the part where some like tricky adult you know, tries to get a kid to open the box, you know, and the Cenobites appear, of course, and then are like, no, it's desire that calls the box, not that calls us, not just opening, not just solving the puzzle. And that was kind of the point of especially the first Hellraiser movie to me is that it was, it's a call of the, the evil desire within yourself that brings the Cenobites, you know, like it's a choice you have to make that Frank made to open the box and that the lady whose name I can't even think of right now, though I see her and her shoulder pads perfectly in my mind, that she is is literally making the choice to murder people to help Frank. 
like they kind of like they earn their place within that universe by their own actions, you know? So it did, I did enjoy it and it makes like a hell of more sense as a horror movie. Like, you know, that you, you can like do bun winning people into it or whatever. I guess that makes like it easier for the sequence of events to unfold, but it did kind of bum me out that you have your, like your virtuous gaze dying just by the misfortune of, you know, being pricked by the the blade that came out yeah. of the box instead of it being a little bit more comp- complicated meditation on desire and sin and you know all that stuff he is he the brother was that's one of those like fuck like he did nothing wrong at all he was just trying to save his shitty sister yet again you know and again, his his boyfriend got to like survive to the end, but at what cost? You know, <laughs> like holy shit! Do you think they're going to do a sequel to that one? Do you think that the uh, the dude who was like the primary antagonist, like the bad guy who brought the Cenobites into the world and then gets turned into a Cenobite himself at the end, like he's going to have to be back as a Cenobite, right? If they make a sequel, I hope so. I hope that they make another one. I do like Hellraiser when it's done. I would well. love. I know that it like a lot of them were just direct to video yeah. kind of garbage. I would love to have some, um, uh, you know, a power struggle between the Cenobites where Jamie Clayton's pinhead has been like ruling supreme, but then this fucking asshole is like sort of threatening. Her supremacy and like I don't know what happens there. I like it when Pinhead, uh, like a, the, the brief part that I watched. I'm gonna have to get off this recording today and go actually watch Hellraiser two in full now. But I like uh, Pinhead having to like cope with questions of uh, human morality. You know, <laughs> I I again the this new one had not enough talking for me i don't i promise i don't want every movie to be like a screwball comedy and the amount of dialogue it has but a little less vibes and a little more conversation is my plea overall like hellraiser 1 has quite a lot of uh oh, yeah. yappy yappy um, Hellraiser One's big problem, and this one is has that a they lot apparently of, made. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the novella before Halloween. Actually, I'm committing to that now. The Hellbound Heart, but so apparently in Hellraiser One, that character who was the daughter, it's like all a psychosexual thing. There's no daughter involved at all. It's like the dude's neighbor and friend who has a crush on him and like hates his wife because that's the competition, and that's why she's spying on her and notices her bringing these men to murder in the attic. You know. It was like weird that I don't know, but for like American movie going audiences, they were like, no, we need a younger character in here. And she has to be the daughter. <laughs> so <laughs> Sadie, I, I think that at the bottom of the mushroom, well, it probably looks like the like labyrinthine hell world from <laughs> Hellraiser 2, th- which I find like weirdly serene i kind of like that little realm where they're like walking on top samantha, of samantha i can you know? see you so easily yeah, it's in peaceful. full cinnabite gear like i think that you would just like fit right in like hey guys what's up i i do believe that pain is uh the defining aspect <laughs> of the human condition <laughs> <laughs> I had a little Cenobite moment at the dentist yesterday morning because um, 
like they they ask about jaw pain when you go to the, the dentist, and my jaw has like hurt and clicked like forever, but not in a way that apparently like alarms any dentist or orthodontist. And so I'm like, yeah, sure, it clicks. <laughs> like I've given up on like the idea of them being like, we can do something about this. So I, I was just like, you know, it's just like my jaw clicking and also like the pain of being alive. <laughs> And the dentist was like, that's weirdly like tragic, beautiful. I don't know, something like that. But it was just like, I was like wasting a a book line or something on a medical professional. Um, I will say, you know, like the, um, like you have like a painful tooth you can't stop wiggling it and you're like i this hurts but also it feels so so good that maybe i am qualified <laughs> right <this way. laughs> just on that on that yeah. alone but like that's my limit it's just like oh my tooth hurting but it also feel kind of good <laughs> wait everyone else has like pins and knives and like contraptions <laughs> holding open their body and it cuts to you and you just look normal and it's like Wiggly what's your tooth. deal <laughs> Weekly too. They're, they're, like, they're like, this is Sadie. She's impossibly weak. That's like we Sadie's a cinnabite. She has like an ankle brace on each ankle and like a wiggly tooth. I'm like, my punishment is having to look at these disgusting cin- other cinnabites all day. That's my pain pleasure. <laughs> Um, bodies, 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 bodies. <laughs> shall we rate? I will give it three out of five bodies, the number of bodies in its title, a pleasant diversion. Oh. <laughs> it, it won't stick with me. I'm afraid. Samantha jumped in <laughs> so fast. With that. She did not want anyone else to steal. Um, I will give it four out oh, of five Sadie, that's what zucchini I just thought breads of. out of five. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's what I jumped in immediately after Samantha. Um, I thought this was very fun. Um, I laughed out loud a lot. I thought that it had, I thought that it had a lot of good social commentary and fuck all the critics who think otherwise. I kid. This is the, you know, all strokes, all folks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I quite enjoyed it. I thought that Amanda Stenberg was very good in it. I thought that everyone was fantastic. Rachel Sennett, Lee Pace was uh, a very appropriately creepy. Um, and yeah, I had a lot of fun. I thought Pete Davidson was good at it too. I didn't think that there was a weak point in, in any of the characters or uh, cast. So good, fun. And I hope that Sophia and B somehow work out a situation where neither of them go to prison. And that is all I hope. I don't so want first, them to be together. They're going to have though. to murder Max, who just walked in to witness this. And like, honestly, what is that after everything that's happened all night? You know, I realize it's in daylight and their highs are probably wearing off. Well, could they not blame it on? They probably would blame it on. Yeah, right. Pace. Like, yeah, I would. Mm, I'd have to. Yeah. Oh, ooh, yeah. Pete Davidson would or be Pete yeah. Davidson. I don't know. Honestly, maybe you could blame it all on like Rachel Sinnott's character at the end, and it would be believable because like she just has an energy that she could snap. You know, love her. Uh, she was great, but just saying. Um, okay, 
So my rating, I was going to go for glow sticks at first, but I'm going to get a little more, uh, I don't know, a little more situational with it here. So ultimately, I'm going to give it a four out of five, but I'm going to go for a rating scale for Pete Davidson attempting to saber open the bottle of champagne and it not working out as expected, you know? You can saber a bottle of champagne like that, and the knife doesn't need to even be incredibly sharp. It just has to have, you know, like a nice tip that's thinner than the weight of of the knife itself. And you have to slide it down and like clink it against the little edge there where the neck hits the bottle of champagne. I have only done this myself once, but my partner knows how to do it. And so I've witnessed it a bunch of times, but sometimes it's unpredictable. Like when we were at a literal three-year-old's birthday party and attempted to saber a bottle of champagne. And when it hit that neck at the end, instead of popping off the neck and like it just opening happily, the entire bottle just shattered. And then we had to get down on our hands and knees and like pick glass out of the ground so that none of the three-year-olds could come across it, you know? And that kind of like spun out of control there, but so did the party in this movie. And I give it a four out of five. Be careful and make sure that you have a nice, clean, sweepable area to clean up if you attempt to saber a bottle of champagne and never put a blade near your own neck. (laughs) Solid advice for anyone listening. (laughs) And if you liked Bodies, 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 Zando Projects, an independent publisher with whom I have no affiliation, (gasps) recommends that you read Patricia Wants to Cuddle, a book that I Bye. definitely did not write and would not personally benefit from you the purchasing way. on Halloween. I don't think um, we have said on air on this podcast yet, since you have been able to announce it publicly, Samantha, about the television rights for Patricia Wants to Cuddle. Oh, yes. <laughs> Patricia could maybe become a television show one day. It's the number of qualifiers you have to put in front of things in this process is wild. Yeah, you're like, especially when you're answering parents' questions, they're like, so when can I watch it? And it's like, well, first a studio has to buy it from the production company, and then they'd have to develop it, make a pilot. Uh, The pilot would, you know, there's like 17 steps. So basically, personally, in my own Capricorn soul, my level of expectation is nothing ever happens. But the rights have been purchased, and some very smart, creative-driven people are uh, going to uh, do their absolute best to make it happen. So don't listen to my cynicism. I listen to their optimism. So well. I cannot wait to log on and see Patricia wants to cuddle the TV show being like the Twitter discourse and people making memes. I want the fan cams. I cannot wait to receive the behind the scenes photo of when Samantha gets to visit the set and take a picture with Patricia in costume. And me, Patricia. Yes. <laughs> uh. I do want the Patricia fan cams. I want the like gay coded Taylor Swift songs or whatever to like play over Patricia fan cams. Renee walking in with I'm the problem. Someone already sent me someone. (laughs) Someone sent me. There's some Taylor Swift lyric of like, people are sexy babies and I'm the monster on the hill or something. You know, that's the one lyric from Midnight that is <laughs> it's real. <laughs> I get that so deeply. If you look at one e-girl, Damn. you get it. 
<laughs> like, like it's just a bunch of women acting like babies, but also they're <laughs> fully <It's> naked. Like, <laughs> damn, hearing this from the the ancient crypt keeper age of 36, Sadie speaking from the POV of youth to tell us this is like truly profound to me right now. Sadie, you just daggered through. Sadie's no longer Her brain young. is cooked. Her brain has baked. <laughs> ah! Done, done, done. The kitchen timer went off. Um, <laughs> delicious brains. But yeah, ah, no. How dare you? I'm, I'm, I have a sexy baby. <laughs> This is going to happen at our fight after after we all travel to St. Louis to watch Megan together. Things start the to Megan get tense Summit. on the third or fourth day, and we're having the bodies, bodies, bodies like argument with each Megan other. Summit. Sadie says, "How dare you? I am a sexy baby," and <laughs> then one of us dies in a terrible and unexpected way. <laughs> we're we're in the city museum. When all this I can think about is the Thirty Rock line. Where that that writer they hire is like, it isn't an act. I'm a very sexy baby. (laughs) Um, Go watch it if you haven't. More entertaining than Taylor Swift. Sorry, in my humble opinion. Please don't murder me. Jen, what Gaylor level (laughs) conspiracy theories should people make up about our podcast? I've got to think about this for a while, Samantha, because I feel like I can come up with some good ones. Put on the spot right now. Hmm. It's not jumping in my head. I don't know. Sadie does like hail from the same place, uh, place ish, right? As um, old Gone Girl lady, right? Maybe Sadie thought that y- she she's just tricked us that you invited mm-hmm. her to be a co-host on this podcast. But Samantha, she stalked you out for years and oh. somehow planted herself in your mind, and now she's worked her way into your intimate thoughts and. It's all building up to when we see Megan together. Somehow it's going to explode. (laughs) (laughs) Sadie is Megan. Sadie is an AI doll who's been doing this podcast with us. I'm like orphan. I'm actually 57. (laughs) Oh oh my God. Sorry. I had to mute myself to cough. (laughs) You can find us on Twitter at YSSTOG. And you can send us emails, which we do not check very often, but are delighted to receive when we notice them at YSSTOGpodcast at gmail.com. Or you could support our forthcoming Megan watching gathering on our Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash YSSTOG. And leaving anything out, your turn, Sadie. Is it my turn? Oh, I? Ahem. Ahem. I would like to thank our lovely, wonderful Patreons, Logan, Logan Mayonnaise, Ander, Althea, Xenalon, Sharon, Justin, Evan, Liz, Brittany, Ace, Mara, Ramey the Void, Heartleaf, Abe with Teeth, Hadas, Ryan, Maddie, Abby, Brian, Caroline, and Brianna. We love you all so very much. And if we were trapped with you all in <laughs> Pete Davidson's mansion, I promise that I would not shoot you directly in the chest or push you down the stairs or hit you over the head with We'd a giant... Like- Sit still and eat some of the (laughs) snacks that were there, you know, and like wait on the storm to finish. They had a whole loaf of zucchini bread. Like, what were they doing? (laughs) 